Hey everybody, welcome to the Boozy Bracketology Podcast. My name is Chris, and this is just a heads up. We took the month of December off from recording. We do have material for you here. We hope you enjoy these two mini brackets. These brackets were actually first posted over on our Patreon exclusive feed. So for the month of January, you're going to have the best Nirvana song bracket. It is a 16 seed bracket. And then for the second half, we're going to go back into movies. We're going to be looking at the best Kevin Smith movie. We got some passionate people here ready to debate. We hope you enjoy the show. We'll be back with brand new full 32 seed brackets in February. For now, enjoy Kevin Smith. Welcome back to Boozy Bonus, where we're the home of strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions. Happy to be here tonight with you guys. My name is Jeff, and I am your host. We've got a great group of uh, panelists here tonight as we dive into all things... Uh, it's not Kevin Smith. What is his... It's called the... View Universe? The View Universe. See? See? I know a couple things. <laughs> But we've got them here with you tonight. Let's go around and find out how they're doing and what's in their glass. Uh, up first is Mike. Michael, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it is pretty damn cold here in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, wind chill was like 20-something, so I was m- missing Florida a little bit today. Uh, as far as beverages go, I had a selection to choose from in my beer fridge and i ultimately went with one from the rogue brewing brewery just because rogue is also a character in the x-men and i know how big of a comic book fan uh kevin smith is so i think i've had it on boozy before it's called the shakespeare stout this is my last one this is a nitro so this is gonna have a really cool sound to it oh yeah you hear that little sizzle with that nitro oh, yeah, yeah. so good so good. Yeah, I don't know why, but it actually makes sense to me to have a rogue because for some reason, being out of Portland, I always think of them as like a cold weather, heavy, dark beer. Even though they're not yep. always, but they are very good at those. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Uh, well, up next with us is Chris. Chris, how are you doing and what's in your glass? Uh, Jeff, I'm doing well, my friend, doing well. Uh, I am. Uh, I don't want to say being lame. I'm being responsible tonight. I just had... Uh, surgery about five days ago and so i decided without talking to the doctor i wasn't going to start drinking again so uh, i have a big old glass of zephyr hills water which i just realized uh over the course while doing some research for trivia that zephyr hills is owned by nestle did you guys know that yep uh yes i did yeah, not know that label on it and everything <laughs> did not know that like in my head it was still like this local company i was supporting a local company by buying zephyr hills nope giant corporation it's okay. I'll get over it. Speaking of uh, giant corporations, did you know that Cigar City just sold out this week as well? It's a monster, right? Yeah, sold out to Monster. But I think they sold out before. Like Cigar City was owned by Oscar Blues, I thought. No, they they sold their distribution to Oscar Blues, but they maintained full control of their day-to-day. Not anymore. Another one bites the dust. Yep. 
Oh, well. Well, uh, our finalist panelist back with us again tonight is Stephen. Stephen, how are you doing and what's in your glass? I'm doing just okay. Got back from my honeymoon on Sunday, but I spent half the honeymoon. Uh, the wife and I both got COVID, so oh. I spent most of my time in sunny Southern California holed up in quarantine. Uh, fortunately, we got cleared uh, just long enough, so we actually made like Disneyland on the two days we could actually get out, so fun. Dude, that sucks. So, I'm sorry. That's all right. It was, it was okay. We were both... You know, had our boosters and everything, so we didn't have a serious, just protecting everyone else. And now I'm going to crack open a delicious Mountain Dew Spark Zero, which wow. is just okay. It's, it's, it's supposed to be a lemonade raspberry thing. It's not, it doesn't really have a strong lemonade or a strong raspberry taste. It's not unpleasant, but it doesn't live up to the label. I've never heard of that. Uh, you got to like be ma- in the circles. I feel like Mountain Dew just keeps adding more and more words to their offering. <laughs> There's a boozy bonus coming up. Best Mountain Dew flavor. Right. Yeah. Lone nope. panelist Steven. <laughs> uh, very good. Well, uh, we're just going to dive into it. We've got uh, eight movies here from the Viewisk universe, and we're just going to break it down. And we're going to find out exactly what... It's the best movie. Our first matchup is the one seed of Clerks versus the eight seed of Super Groovy Cartoon Movie. Opining first is Mike. Uh, so this is this is my one confession that of the eight movies on this bracket, there is one that I have not seen, and it is Super Groovy Cartoon Movie. Uh, when Chris originally sent out this bracket almost a year ago, I made a mental note, oh, I should probably check that out. Uh, and then promptly forgot until he sent the bracket out again yesterday. So I haven't had a chance to do it. I kind of figured it's not really going to matter. I'm reading the Wikipedia article on it. It sounds entertaining, so I'm definitely going to add it to my list at some point. But it's going up against Clerks. Clerks is the OG. Clerks is fantastic. Clerks is a movie that is still relentlessly quoted by people of our generation. Uh, shoot, uh, me and Chris, I think, have probably quote it once in every two or three pub trivia experience episodes that we do together just for some reason or other it's absolutely hilarious it's an icon and it totally deserves to move on here all right and clerks picks up the first vote chris yeah we're not going to overcomplicate this right we're not going to go down a rabbit hole of why one movie is so much better than the other because we all know what that's going to lead to um this is going to be Clerks, but uh, Super Groovy Cartoon Movie has the distinction of being the only Viewers Universe film and the only movie on this list that was not directed by Kevin Smith. He wrote the screenplay. He didn't direct it. Uh, Jay had something to do with it. I think he's like one of the lead producers on it. But Kevin kind of wrote it and then passed it along down the line. Uh, what I'll give a shout out to Super Groovy Cartoon Movie for is he's not afraid to just kind of go all Kevin Smith. He's done that in his, his non-Viewers Universe films. Um, but he went full Kevin Smith in this movie. It's it's raunchy. It's funny. It's got some cute points to it. Um, but that's the nicest thing I'm going to say about it because it's not a good movie. Uh, the fact that he has a character in there called the, Lips- the Lipstick Lesbian is funny. It's Eliza Dushku that plays the Lipstick Lesbian. Um, the nicest thing, the coolest thing I can say about it is, hey, man, you got Neil Gaiman to voice a character. That's kind of cool. Like, you got Neil Gaiman to do something. That's kind of cool. He- he's not behind his typewriter anymore. But no, this is 100% the movie that put Kevin Smith on the on the map. It's this this 
genius script. It's still funny to this day. It's still relatable to this day. Yes, it's shot in black and white. Yes, the editing is suspect. And it's, I don't say suspect, but it's a low-budget film. It's a very, very low-budget film. But it's a genius film. It's such a fun movie. It's so funny. You can't hear the number 37 without yelling immediately in a row. In a row? See? (laughs) This is Clerks, and it's not close. All right, Clerks picks up its second vote, but we still need to hear from Steven. Yeah, this isn't a hard one at all. Uh, Super Groovy cartoon movie, you can tell it's kind of the last one in the series because it feels tired and worn out. A lot of the jokes, I feel like he's done better earlier on. Um, And it was the animated feature. It's the one where you literally had the most freedom because you can draw anything. You know, it should have been the most creative one, and it just feels tired to me. So I'd much rather watch Clerks any day. And Clerks moves on with the sweep. Booting out a super groovy cartoon movie. Kind of just wanted to say that again. (laughs) (laughs) Our next matchup is the fourth seed of Jay and Silent Bob's reboot versus the five seed of Clerks 2. Up first is Chris. Yeah, I'm actually kind of glad I'm going first here because I think I'm going to put the one vote in one direction and let everyone else go the other direction. Um, Clerks 2 is the better movie. Like, hands down, in my opinion, Clerks 2 is the better movie. Uh, The Jay and Silent Bob movies by themselves uh, are just overindulgent films by nature. Uh, It's, hey, we've got money, or hey, I want to get all my friends together and do this, which is fine. But the narrative through line on those films is Jay and Silent Bob. Clerks, the narrative through line is Dante and Randall and the the unending love of friendship. Jay and Silent Bob don't get deep. They never really get deep. But they actually attempt to in this movie where Jay has a kid and yada, yada, yada. But Jay and Silent Bob reboot has this one scene at the end of the movie where they bring back Holden. And they bring back Holden from from chasing Amy, and you get a snapshot of what Holden's life is like right now. And if the the, the one of the best movies Kevin Smith made, the movie that if Clerks put him on the map, the movie that solidified him as a bona fide solid writer and director is Chasing Amy. You get a checkup with Holden, and it feels like the closest thing to anything pre Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back that you're going to get from a Kevin Smith project, and. I think it hit me really hard because I saw this movie like right after I had a daughter and Holden is a little bit older than me, but is talking about the joys of raising a little girl. And it, it got me like legitimately had me damn near crying in a movie theater for that scene alone. The fact that he could kind of reach into my heart and tug on my heartstrings. I was in, I'm giving my vote to Jay and Silent Bob reboot. I will watch that actually more than I'll watch clerks too. But clerks Two gave me something that I've been wanting to watch since we, pe- I'm not even going to go there. Never mind. Um, the, the scene at the end is well worth it. it it's a it's a culmination of of multiple different types. Uh, but no, I'm giving my vote to reboot. All right, Jane, Silent Bob reboot picks up the first vote. Stephen. So here's the thing about the characters Jay and Silent Bob. They're not the hamburger. They're the condiment. If you splash them on at the right amount, it's going to make the thing you're eating that much more delicious and that much more wonderful, but I'm not going to just squirt ketchup into my mouth by itself because it's something to complement 
a story. They're comic relief. If they're not relieving something, they're just not as good. So, yeah, there are moments in all the movies, all the Jay and Bob reboot, uh, you know, the Super Movie cartoon movie, they have their moments, but they're not a complete film with a core that's worth watching. Uh, so, Clerks 2, there's still side characters. They're still great in that. My favorite parts in Clerks 2 are all the Jay and Silent Bob parts, but that's because they're used correctly. Clerks 2 is a much better film. It's the much funnier film. It's the one I'm going to watch way more. And we split the vote with Clerks 2 picking up its first vote. We will move this over to Mike. Mike, which way will this be going? Yeah, uh, both of the previous panelists actually uh, very much echoed my general thought process. I was not expecting anything from Reboot, and I found it surprisingly affecting, but really the reason that it was surprisingly affecting was it, it had a couple other moments that were, that were very good. And actually um, for being side characters and, and certainly for not being actors, I thought both, I thought both uh, Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith, especially Jason Mewes uh, performed very well in it. Uh, but really the primary reason that reboot sticks with me so much is that one scene when Ben Affleck comes back as Holden and, and, uh, and very much like Chris, uh, I had, I was not long after my second daughter was born that I watched that. So it does have that. And it really, it really did surprise me in that way. I wasn't expecting to be that affected by that movie. That said, Clerks 2 is definitely funnier and it is also affecting like the, the scene with Randall and Dante in the in the jail cell where he lays it all out. I mean, that is equally. I don't want to say equally affecting because it's hard to pull. You know, uh, the 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 parent card is always is always going to cut a little deeper. But um, but especially given that these are characters that you you know we've been wondering what had happened to and and all that. I, I think it I think it hits well as well, and it's just ultimately a bit of a better movie again it's it's definitely funnier uh it gave chris uh his thing that he always says about lord of the rings rather than forming his own opinion um <laughs> no uh but it is it's 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 a lot more funny and uh, really other than other than that one scene and a couple other little moments in reboot it's not as reboot's not as memorable as clerks 2 clerks 2 has a lot more a lot more memorable parts a few of which you might want to forget <laughs> at least one involving uh jay and a uh, pitch perfect silence of the lambs parody but uh it's it's it is ultimately i think the better movie and probably deserves to move on to face off against its predecessor and that it will as clerks 2 picks up the decisive vote moving it on to the next round our next matchup is the three seed of dogma versus the six seed of Mallrats. up first is steven Okay, here's our first tough pick of the night, if you don't mind me saying. Um, fortunately for me, it's actually not super tough, because there is one film I absolutely love. I just don't want to beat up on the other one. Um, Mallrats, it's still very much Kevin Smith trying to find his voice, I find. And so it's a little hit or miss. You can kind of tell it's more comprised of sketches. Um than just a 
through line of a single movie. It's much more like Clerks in that way. That's the reason Clerks has chapters, because it sketches. Um, Dogma is the more complete through line of a film. It's it's a much tighter script. Uh, it's much better written, and it's got a lot more to say, honestly. And uh, Kevin Smith is actually at his best not when he's telling dick jokes. He's really good at telling dick jokes. That's the reason why we came famous from the dick jokes. But when he has something to say, he says it in an interesting and thoughtful way. And then, you know, you hear goodbye horses playing and you get nervous. Dogma has something to say. And it has something actually pretty profound and smart to say. And it considers itself in a... It takes itself the right amount of seriousness. It's serious when it needs to be. It's legitimately funny when it wants to be. And at the end of the day, both the funny and the serious contribute to each other to make it a better film. So I do love Mallrats. I just find it's a little more up and down. And Dogma is way more consistent. So I'm going with Dogma. All right. Dogma kicks us off with the first vote. Michael. Yeah, full confession, uh, I was late to the view of Skewniverse. Dogma is actually the first of the films that I saw, and it was so good that it inspired me to go back and watch the rest of them. Uh, and honestly, it's well done enough that it didn't uh, – th- there were a couple jokes that didn't quite land because I did not have the background with Jay and Silent Bob. But overall, it would, you know, it didn't – I mean that's really the – that was really the primary thing tying it to the rest of the – uh, view a Scooterverse, so that di- it didn't suffer for me in that regard. Uh, and I really pretty much agree with most of what Steven said. I really do like Mallrats. I think it's got a lot of funny parts, but I don't think that it's more of a straight comedy. It has, and as, as Steven said, it definitely has less to say than Dogma. And I don't think it's appreciably funnier. I, they're both funny movies. They both have a lot of very memorable moments to them. Uh, but I, I think dogma is the one that sticks with me a lot more. It's, it's got both, it's got both the humor and the message behind it. And I, I, another thing I completely agree with, uh, Steven about is that as great as, as Kevin Smith is at writing these hilariously funny jokes, the parts when he gets serious, maybe because he's so good at writing the jokes too, they hit really well, and I I also think that's where he's at his best. So, as much as much as I do like mole rats, I got to give this one to Dogma as well. All right, Dogma picks up the second vote. Chris, yeah, this is the one I came in going. I don't know which one I'm going to vote for because there's actually not a wrong choice here. Uh, these movies are both genuinely funny. We talk about Dogma being more touching. I I think mole rats has a lot to say for people who are young and in love and want to. You know, propose someone as Jaws pops out of the water at Universal Studios, which you can't do anymore. Um, but I do think that there's something that that Mall Rats is trying to say. Dogma does does a much better job of getting its point across in a much more subtle fashion, uh, whereas Mall Rats is much more in your face. Again, he he's become a more nuanced writer as he goes along in his career. Um, for me, this comes down to I don't want to say rewatchability because it doesn't. Um, I've rewatched one of these movies more than I've rewatched the other. But Dogma is just the better film. It legitimately is the better film. Mallrats, though, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a really good movie. But Steven's right. It's 
it's him before he really hits his stride and identifies his voice as a writer. It does feel a little bit more like sketches. There's that whole side quest where they go to the the flea market mall, the the dirt mall or whatever they called it. Um, you had to go. The woman with the three nipples had to find some magical thing for uh for TS to not magical thing, but had some magical wisdom for TS to follow. It's interesting. It's fun. It actually does drag at points. Um, but damn it, that sailboat is funny. Oh, it's a sailboat. Ah, it's a funny <laughs> movie. Um, and also pitch, pitch perfect. Is, I'm going to quote Stephen here. Perfect use of your Michael Rooker. A, the perfect use of your Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker is phenomenal in this. Everyone in this movie is phenomenal. But Dogma is the better movie. And it, it pains me to say that. But Dogma is a better movie. Move Dogma along. All right. Dogma will be moving on to the next round. And we will find out. What is up against right now? We've got the two seed of Chasing Amy versus the seven seed of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Back around to Michael to get us started. Uh, two two things real quick I wanted to add on to what, what Chris was saying. Number one, uh, just as a little side piece of trivia, the, the woman with the three nipples was none other than um, Priscilla Barnes, who famously replaced Suzanne Summers on Three's Company. I always thought that was cool. Uh, and the other thing is... I sympathized so much with, um, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank on the actor's name, but the guy that couldn't see the Ethan magic. Who, what is it? Is it Ethan Supley? Ethan Supley. I was like, it's it's like Ethan or Evan something. Yes, Ethan Supley, exactly. I sympathize so much with him because I've never been able to do those friggin' things either, and it pisses me off. Um, anyway, this, this matchup, uh, this is actually a fairly easy one for me, uh, and, and a lot of it has to do with what we've already discussed about Jay and Silent Bob work best as side characters and comic relief. It's hard; they they don't they're not really designed to carry their own movie. Now that said, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back has tons of really funny parts, a lot of memorable moments. Chasing Amy is a movie that means something to me and it means something to me because I connected with it so much. I connected with Holden's character because I saw this movie, as I mentioned, I saw dogma first and I went back and saw these other movies. I saw this movie. I was probably 19 years old and I was the, you know, kind of, I, I sympathized with, Oh, you, you're, you know, there's, there's this girl, but she's got so much more experience than you. Cause I was still pretty, I was still pretty young. Um, and that that whole thing. So that was a lot of what was going on in my life at the time. And it just um, it just real it just really hit me in, in a profound way. And speaking of uh, Jay and Silent Bob being great, you know, in small doses, that the one scene, um, you know, the this the scene that has Jay and Silent Bob, like like Silent Bob's soliloquy is just the where he you know basically presents the title of the movie is just wonderful. Not to mention, it is also incredibly funny. It has, I, it has just so many jokes that still stick with me today. Uh, and it's also very clever. Uh, this is something that I've never heard anyone point out, so I'll just throw it out there. At the very beginning, uh, at the Comic-Con, Holden compares Jay and Sa- – or excuse me, Bluntman and Chronic to Vladimir and Estragon, who were characters in Waiting for Godot. Waiting for Godot is famous for having a character that is entirely silent except for one scene where he goes off on a soliloquy, just like Silent Bob <laughs> does later in the movie. I've always thought that was so clever, so awesome. 
I've never heard anybody mention it before, but I always thought it was cool. This is Chasing Amy for me. I love that movie. All right. Chasing Amy picks up the first vote. Chris? Uh, Mike just said everything I I really wanted to say. Um, I think Chasing Amy was my first exposure to that type of a relationship dynamic. And I didn't see this movie until I was 20. Um, It was way ahead of its time. That movie was having conversations about sexuality and identity Sadly, 20 years before the rest of the world seemed like it was ready to have those conversations. Um, are Do those conversations hit differently now? Yes. I, I need to go back and rewatch it because I think those conversations may sound a lot different if we had those now. But the the way he wrote it was from this this place of, I don't want to say naivete, but it was he was he was naive about that, I call it lifestyle, uh, Gender and sexuality is what it, it kind of seems to me. And, but I was in that same place. Like no one, no one had that conversation with us when we were, that, that, didn't, that didn't come up. Like kids today grow up with it and that's awesome. I love it. But that was the first exposure we had to, or at least I had to, um, gender and sexuality outside of hetero, heterosexuality. It, that was an important movie. Uh, and the fact that the story behind making that movie, by the way, is kind of fascinating because they wanted, I think it was, Steven, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the, the, the studio wanted David Schwimmer and um, John Stewart to play the leads. And Kevin said, no, I want to do this. I want to do this with Jason and Ben. They're like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. And so he made some sort of a deal where he said, give me $100,000. Let me go make my movie. And if you still don't like it, then I'll do it your way. And they did. And he went out and made the version Chasing Amy that's now iconic. Say what you want about Ben Affleck. Some people like him, some people don't. He's pitch perfect in this movie. Jason Lee is amazing in this movie. Joey Lauren Adams is amazing in this movie. This movie is actually chock full of great performances. And I haven't even gotten to how not just funny, but freaking endearing it is. I had the reverence for the Holden character. And Holden is not necessarily a good guy in this by any stretch of the imagination. He's selfish. He's insecure throughout the entirety of the film. But it's relatable. And then you see that growth later on. The growth that we see later on in Reboot is tied back to what happens in Chasing Amy. And you see the growth of that character over 20-plus years, and that's what really hits it home for me. This is not close. Jane and Silent Bob uh, Strike Back, it's funny. Uh, it's got some really good uses of his of his famous friends now. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like I don't necessarily need to see that again. I need to see Chasing Amy again. Uh, real quick to go back, though, we talked about Mall Rats. I can't let Mall Rats die that way. Because three of us talked about Mallrats and none of us talked about the freaking Stanley cameo, true believers. <laughs> Come on. The Stanley cameo is awesome. Go listen to Kevin talk about how he got Stanley into that movie. It's actually kind of a cute story. But that's amazing. No. Uh, but back to this. This isn't close. It's Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy does pick up a second vote, but let's hear from Steven. So let me start by uh, throwing a bone to Mike here and let you know that. In the history of all Mallrats watchers, no one has ever seen that fucking sailboat because that is not a 3D picture of a sailboat. <laughs> it is actually a picture of a star, a circle, a square, and a triangle. You can freeze frame it, and if you're able to do that stuff, there's no fucking sailboat there. Um, so, yeah, of the Jay and Silent Bob movies, um, this is the best one. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is the best one of those. It's the freshest it has the strongest through line um it, it is an enjoyable movie like of the james and the bob movies that's the one i go back and watch uh, 
probably the George Carlin in it is one of the big reasons. But yeah. uh, Chasing Amy, it is a strange film because it is a film that's thoughtful about gender and sexuality and what a person self-defines themselves as and how much valuable it is and just letting the person define themselves. But it's also written by a white man that primarily tells dick jokes for a living. And there's a lot of risk in there. But at the end of the day, what Chasing Amy is about is not by about giving answers to those subjects. It's about asking questions. It's about starting dialogues for it. And really, that's the reason why I feel like it still holds up, because it doesn't try to preach at you at all. It's just a thoughtful exploration of what his opinions were at that time. And he has the really dumb guy say really stupid things, and he has everyone else just kind of leave open-ended questions that allow you to grow and think about it and reflect upon it. And that's why Chasing Amy is a brilliant film, because it's a film that you leave the theater and then you think about it, and you go back and think about it more and more and more. Even if it's been a long time since you've watched it, you're probably going to think about it because it gives you the questions and lets you sort of live in the world and think about. And that's a rare gift in films. It's one of the reasons why, for a man who tells dick jokes for a living, we continue to support Kevin Smith financially. So, yeah, Chasing Amy gets my vote the whole way. And Chasing Amy will sweep its way to the next round. Uh, just like that, we've decided who's going to be going on to the next round in the View Universe. Join us next time as we try to figure out exactly who will be the top. Uh, we thank you for being here. We hope you enjoy this bonus material, and we will see you on the next show. For Bonus Boozy, I've been your host, Jeff. Uh, I was remiss in not saying this before, so I have to do it real quick, given that my last name is Mott. Applesauce, bitch. I'm Mott. I'm Mike. <laughs> I'm Chris. I'm Steven. You're a, you're a true artist, Gus. <laughs> and we'll see you in the next one.